0: My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. The title of my message is Draw Near to God. Draw Near to God. Now recently, this year, the Spirit of God spoke to us in a church in South Jersey, New Beginnings Christian Church, the pastor's Joe Source, and the spirit of God said to us, he says, there's three things that's going to happen this year. And I believe it's going to carry on and continue into next year. He said, number one, he said, what's going to happen is, is you're going to begin to see personal revival that people right in their homes, people right in, in, in their personal lives, in their cars, internally um, are going to begin to experience a personal revival. That God is going to begin to rise within them, and He is going to begin to anoint them with fresh oil. He's going to give them a heart to know him. And there's going, you're going to see more and more and more people having these personal revivals or these personal encounters with God. Number two, you're going to see that there is going to be more and more, and we're already seeing it what we would call corporate revival. What is corporate revival? Psalm 133, where the brethren fell together in unity, where we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And when we gather together in the house of God, the spirit of God is to descend and manifest himself and it causes something to be ignited on the inside of those that are in the corporate assembly. So there's going to be um, a corporate revival. And then number three, the Spirit of God said to us, that there's going to also be street revival. So what we carry and what we have within us and what happens to us is going to carry over into the streets, the highways, the highways. And God is uses to use tell people come under him because there's many that are weary, many that are lost that are searching so god is going to anoint his church to go and do the works of jesus according to mark 16 where he said i want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples okay so those things are going to begin to happen but specifically i believe that the message that i have for you tonight has to do with personal revival Personal revival. I remember when I was a young minister and I used to preach in the early eighties and I'd be preaching and I would always say, Lord, I just want more of you. I want more of you. And I'd say to the people, Don't you want more of God? And everybody, of course, would say, Yes, we want more of God. And then one day the Holy Spirit corrected me and he said, Margie, you know, you know, you I don't need I don't you don't need more of me. I need more of you. So in essence, what he was saying is, he was saying, I need my people to draw near to me, and therefore I will respond and I will draw near to them. This drawing near to God is an intentional uh, response. His call to us to come to him, to spend time with him. So God said, I want you to draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. The New Living Translation says, come close to God and he will come close to you. So what we need to do is we, we need to begin to posture ourselves to go on to him, to respond to him. You know, I understand that the Bible says that we are the house of prayer, you know, that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ is in us. I understand that he's in us. I understand that he's with us. I understand that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So how could you say, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you when he's already within you? Well, this has something to do with with connection with him, with our desire to know him to become deeply and intimately acquainted with him. It's one thing to have him as Savior, and it's another thing to have him as Lord over our lives. And what I believe is there is someone that's listening today that's kind of on the fence. And I hear the, I've been hearing the Holy Spirit saying all day, he's been saying, I want whoever this person is to be either listening live or this person who's going to listen later, I believe what he's saying is, I want you to make me Lord over every area of your life. I want you to draw near to me. I'm in you. But there's more of me that I want to reveal to you. So we know that we're the house of prayer. We know that God lives in us. But this is, a, this is something different. This is the place where you intentionally... Get closer to him by an act of your will. Now, the flip side is that that God, of course, desires to be intimate with us. And the scripture says that he has also given us a heart to know him. So deep down on the inside of you, each and every one of you that's listening tonight, no matter where you are in your walk with God, inside of your heart, there is a desire to know God. There is a desire for intimacy. I just heard the word in my spirit. There's a craving for God, there's a longing for God. There's a longing to know Him. You know, that's why so many times we look out in, into the, out into nature and we think about God, because He's present in all of these things. And God ignites that, that, that longing on the inside of us. Here, it's a beautiful scripture. Jeremiah 24-7 says, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all of their heart. So that person is on the fence. God is saying to you, I am going to give you a heart to know me. I am stirring within you. This is part of the personal revival that's happening right now in the body of Christ. He's stirring on the inside of his people and he's giving his people a heart to know him. And I just heard it again. I heard it again, a craving to know him. Okay. So this is already planted within you. First John 4, 19. I love this scripture says that we love him because he first loved us. So God already abounded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he's already been pursuing us. So that's the flip side of drawing near to God and him drawing near to us. The truth is he's already been been endeavoring to get us into a place of intimacy and friendship with him. What we just simply need to do is respond to him. The Bible says in Revelation 3 verse 20 that uh, behold I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. If any man will, let him come in and let him have, I want to have fellowship with me. So God is nudging on the, on, the, on the door of your heart and he's knocking at your heart. And what he wants you to do, my friend, is he wants you to respond to him. He wants you to draw near to him. He wants you to open up your heart and he wants you to trust him. Listen, I don't know who this is for, but God wants, wants you to know that he is not a man that he should lie. He is not a man that would hurt you. He is not a man that would abuse you. He is not a man that he would reject you. He is a perfect father. And as he stands at the door and he knocks at your heart, he wants you to respond to his love, his perfect love. God's love is perfect. Therefore, it'll drive out those fears that you have of allowing him into the depths the secret chambers of your heart. He's here to make you whole. He's here to help you. He's here to love on you. So God is standing at the door of your heart and he's nudging you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. And the beauty of this scripture is this for today. It popped up on my iPhone because I read a Bible app and in the Bible app, Ironically, this is the verse of the day. And I love how the Holy Spirit worked because this was going to be a highlight of something I wanted to share with you. It's Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Don't you know that the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth, he doesn't grow weary. He doesn't faint. His understanding is unsearchable." He gives power to the faint and those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall fail and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. So God is saying, listen, If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're if you're if you if you don't even trust me, if you need answers, he's saying I want you to wait upon me. Now, oftentimes we, as ministers, we've taught that scripture as you know, know, as you wait on God in prayer and 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 as you you know spend time in His presence. But the truth of that scripture is that word "wait" is the word. It, it, it talks about, in the in the Hebrew, it, the translation is, I don't know if you care, but it's H-W-double-slash-Q. And it means, those who wait on the word, Lord, that's that Hebrew word. And it means to twist or to bind whence a rope. This verse reveals the active nature of intertwining one's life with the life of God. When intertwining is being done, that person... Is made strong. He who waits, twists his life with God, or intertwines his life with God will renew their strength. When you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. You wait upon Him. What you're doing is you're intertwining your life with God. It's like this rope. Here's a rope. Here's a rope that's frayed. Okay? This is a person who's not intertwined with God. This person is weak. There's not as much strength. It's hard to hold on. It's hard to deal with the circumstances of life. But when you wait upon the Lord, when you intertwine your life with God, you are made strong. You are like this rope. You're not running alone. You're not running with no help. You're not running with no without wisdom. You are running with God's grace. And he says, as you wait upon me, as you intertwine your life with me, you are made strong and you're able to deal with all the adversities that this world brings us. And God knows that there's are so many tests and trials that come our way. But when we have God, when we intertwine our life with God, we are made strong. Well, you may say, well, what does that have to do with the subject tonight? It has everything to do with the subject tonight. Because prayer is a part of intertwining our life with God. It's part of the thing that helps us to to stay strong. Seven days without prayer makes one week. We can have the word of God and we need the word of God. It is our foundation. And you will always hear me say this. Probably every time I teach or minister the Word of God, the Word, I mean, on this subject of prayer, the Word of God is our foundation. We need the Word of God. But we also need to be men and women of prayer. This is part of intertwining our life with God. We have the Word and we have the Spirit. We wait upon Him. We mount up with wings like eagles. Eagles we often find in the scriptures mentioned 32 times, and it's referred to as an example of the Christian life. That's because eagles are unusual birds, and they are they are they are the kinds of birds that, that are born to soar higher than faster than any bird. And what God wants you and I to do, He does not want the circumstances of this life to bring us down, to weigh us down why we need to intertwine our lives with him in the word also in the spirit and i have a teaching that god has given me about how we can intertwine our life with god through prayer now let's just continue um legally we are one with him and connected you heard me say that already but I want to experience the reality of that connection. Let me say that again. Legally, we are connected with God. Legally, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. But vitally, or by experience, and I know you're like me because you're listening to this. God is, has, 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 has um, I believe, I believe he, he's causing you to hear this because he has a message for you. But vitally, I want to experience this connection. I know that there's more to walking with God and more to this Christian life than just troubles and trials and going to church and so on and so forth. I want to be intimate with God. I want to know him. I, I, I can just remember an, an example of a man who taught me when I was at Rhema. I was at Rhema, um in 19, the second, the first year I was at Rhema was 76 and 77 and the second year i went back to the pioneering of the second year in 78 and 79 and i often heard kennedy Hagen say that his wife was more real to him or his, jesus was more real to him than his wife laying next to him in the bed And I can remember as a young girl, I was 19, 20 years old, raised a Catholic girl, loved God my whole life, got born again. And I'm now in this Bible school, and I hear this man of God saying that Jesus was more real to him than his wife laying next to him in the bed. And I made a vow in my heart as a young girl. I made a vow in my heart when I heard him say that. I made a vow, and I said, Lord, that's what I want. If he can have that, that's what I want. You know, my friends, God is no respecter of persons. If, G, if Jesus was more real to Kenneth E. Hagen than his wife laying next to him in the bed, then there had to be something that he did in and in, in a as a response to God's wooing and God's calling that caused this kind of experience or this intimacy or this friendship with God. So Kenneth E. Hagen said that, and I always remembered it. I've heard him, used to hear him say it multiple times. So here's another example. Exodus 33, 11 says that the Lord spoke to Moses. This is what gets me fired up because if they have it, I want it. If they have it, you should want it. Again, God is no respecter of persons. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man would speak to his friend that word friend in the hebrew word this one i can at least spell is r a a h it means companion friend fellow so the lord spoke to moses face to face as a man would speak to a friend a companion a fellow and I, and i i have to say this The Bible says as New Testament believers, of course, we are the child. We are children of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're in the family of God. And the Bible also says we are under a better covenant. Hey, Mark, we are under a better covenant Based upon better promises. So, if God knew Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friends, that means I, under the New Covenant, New Testament, how much more can I have that kind of intimacy and you have that kind of intimacy with God? That's intimacy, friendship. I want that. Don't you want that? But there's ways we can get there. Okay, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through 14, what did he say at the end of his life? And finally, at the end of his life, this apostle was not bragging about his accomplishments. Okay, at the end of his life, he reached the end of himself and he said, Listen, this is the deal. The bottom line, my purpose is simply this that I may know him, that I may become deeply and intimately acquainted with him. And this simplified his perceiving knowing and understanding the wonders of his person God's God God can be known he has given us remember we said earlier he has given us a heart to know him so God can be known God can be perceived God can be understood but we have to press into him we have to pursue him we have to be hungry for him I hear the spirit of the Lord saying blessed are those that hunger and thirst they shall be satisfied. How hungry are you? How much of God do you want? Like I said earlier, I believe that God is stirring within us a hunger to know Him, and that's why that this revival that we're in, we've already entered in, is not by might, it's nor by power, it's by my Spirit, the Spirit of the Living God. He is beginning to cause men's hearts to 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 want Jesus, to know Jesus. Because remember, His ministry always points Jesus. So the Apostle Paul said, that's what I want. I want intimacy with God. That word intimacy in the West is defined as associated in close personal relations. Listen, we're going to get to this. I'm so thankful for this message tonight. It's, it says associated in close personal relations involving warm friendship. That's what intimacy means, warm friendship, okay? Or a personally close or familiar association, private or closely personal, an association, knowledge, or understanding arising from close personal connection or familiar experience. Notice the word experience is in this definition. Notice the word connection is in this definition. Notice this word personal is in this definition. So we can have this. Okay, we don't have to have a shallow relationship and walk with God. I wanna know him, I wanna hear from him, I wanna know what he's thinking. You know what I was saying to God today? You know, I talked to God like a person would talk to a friend. I was saying to God, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? I was asking him questions. I may not always hear the answer like audibly, like a friend would, but eventually he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable with his thoughts. Thoughts will arise. You see, my friends, God is a spirit. He communicates in the spirit, spirit to spirit. And the thoughts uh, will arise up in your your mind and they'll come as desires, they'll come as thoughts. Sometimes God will even speak through other people and let me tell you, I've had him speak through children. But we're talking about friendship with God, knowing his heart. What do you think about this? I wanna know your heart. I wanna know what you're thinking. I want to walk with you the way Kenneth E. Hagin walked with you. You know, the Bible says Enoch walked with God to such a degree that God took him. I mean, you've got to be kidding me right now. So I believe that there that we, can, we are as close to God as we want to be, okay? We are changed into the same image from glory to glory to glory so that there are degrees of glory. So I believe it takes effort on our part, and that's what I want to share with you tonight. Now, one way this friendship, and this is what I was going to get to, one way this friendship can be achieved, and this is a new teaching that I've only had recently, can be achieved is by praying in your bed or waking, or what I call waking up in the middle of the night prayer. Now, isn't that wild? Praying in your bed, or what I call waking up in the middle of the night prayer, or when you lay down to go to sleep at night, it's praying in your bed before you go to sleep. You can have a connection with God when you lay in your bed. And it can be a very intimate, close, personal connection with him. Now, those of you that know me, and those of you that know about my books and the things that I teach and preach, you know that I teach a lot about closet prayer. Going into your closet and shutting the door. You know, going into your office and shutting the door and and time along with God, Matthew 6, 1-6, teach it, teach it, teach it. And then God began to teach me that, that that is just one form or one posture of prayer, that we can pray continually. And that specifically, we can pray when we're laying in our bed or when we wake up in the middle of the night. and We, and we, we are awake and we can pray. As a matter of fact, I really believe sometimes God, our Father, us up in the middle of the night because he wants to have fellowship with us he wants us to spend time with him and maintain intimacy with him or he wants us to to talk to us about something or pray to him or, or he just wants to fellowship to fellowship with him you know he created us for intimacy he created us to fellowship with him. So a little more of a personal testimony. I, I, I. To be honest, I've been struggling with my closet praying a lot lately. And one of the reasons I've been struggling with my closet praying is because I was diagnosed about four years ago, four and a half years ago, with mercury poisoning. And I went through about a year and a half of IV chelation to drive that mercury and a lot of other heavy metals out of my system. I was manifesting some symptoms and. I went and got tested, and that's what the results were, that I had this mercury poison. You should just Google it, out. I'm not going to get into it. So anyway, so I went through a year and a half chelation, and we were able to get a good portion of it out of my system. And and uh, recently, I decided to go and have more tests done to see where I was at. And again, my mercury levels came out really high. They were still high. I mean, I was so high four years ago that my doctor said to me, are you having seizures? And I looked at him and i like, I'm not having seizures having other symptoms and not having seizures. He's like, well, how do you feel? Well, I'm a pretty positive person, so I'm the kind of person I just keep you know, I just keep plowing through no matter how I feel. You know, I'm a woman of faith. I'm not moved by what I feel, I'm not moved by what I you know have going on. But you know, you gotta still be smart. If you're not feeling completely good, you gotta go to the doctor. So anyway, I went back to the doctor for this new season of this year. I wanted to make sure I was you know healthy and I wanted to check my levels and I still came out high and so the doctor put me back on uh, some iv medications chelation some other things and some other things that i'm doing and i have to be honest with you my team knows this i mean it's been 3 weeks of tiredness headaches stomach aches all kinds of stuff and you know no matter, you know sometimes you know i think we have to have a little compassion for people that are struggling physically I understand that by the stripes he and Jesus bore, we healed. I understand that it's the gospel of healing. But sometimes, you know, you get so tired that it's hard to believe God for yourself. And so for three weeks, it was just det I've been detoxing. And so my closet praying wasn't the way it should, you know, the way I like it to be. And so I would be laying down in my bed. And I, I've practiced this kind of praying for years. I just never defined it or taught it, but it's the kind of prayer in the last three to four weeks that I really stirred up and put into practice because of the way I was feeling in my physical body. And then God said to me, he said, I want you to teach this to my people since you're going through it and you've been practicing a lot in a lot. I want you to teach my people what I've taught you about praying in your bed and nighttime prayer or praying when you wake up in the morning. I used to always practice this prayer also when I was a mom of three kids born in one year. And I mean, you know, who has time for closet praying? So when I would lay down at night and all the kids were in bed, I would just commune with God in my heart while I was in bed. I would talk to him and speak to him as a man speaks to his friend. And I would commune with him, my spirit, with his heart. You know, if you're that kind of person and you're, you're, you're busy all day long, this is the kind of prayer that you can pray that develops intimacy with God, okay? I want to say a little bit more about Kenneth E. Hagin because I was thinking about this. I, I was thinking, you know, this is probably why Kenneth E. Hagin said that Jesus is more real to him than his wife laying next to him in the bed. I believe it's because Kenneth E. Hagin had about 16 months from his salvation to his healing where he laid in bed and he communed with God and he communed with Jesus. Those of you that don't know his testimony, I'm going to go go ahead and read it to you. He was born with a deformed heart and and he had an incurable blood disease. He was not expected to live after the age of 15. Okay, he became paralyzed and bedridden. In April of 1933, he was born again, he was converted, he was a, became a, a child of God. Literally, my friends, he went to hell three times and came back in 10 minutes, okay? He accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, and he was born again, but he was not yet healed in his physical body. So for 16 months, he read the scriptures, and he communed with God in his bed, and 16 months later, he was raised up. I thought later, I said, that's probably where he developed that intimacy with God in his bed when he was a child, okay? Let's talk about some scripture examples. David, Psalms 4 verse 3 says, meditate within your heart on your bed. I'm giving you scripture. Meditate within your heart. Where? Within your heart on your bed and be still think about it when you go to bed at night or you wake up in the middle of the night the house is quiet the house is dark but your spirit is alive unto god and our heavenly father he neither slumbers nor sleeps so when you wake up he's looking at you and guess what when he wakes up when you wake up and you sense god he's not looking at you with a big frown on your his face he's looking at you and he's smiling at you and he's happy and he loves you with an everlasting love and he's knocking at the door of your heart he sees you responding to him and it makes him it makes him uh, i don't know that he makes him happy but i think he likes. i believe the lord created us for friendship and intimacy with him and, and when we begin to cultivate this kind of friendship with him even in the middle of the night when we're laying on our bed i believe the lord enjoys that i know like Oliver, oh, he's not around tonight I know Oliver, whenever I go to bed at night or in the morning, he loves that time with me. He likes to jump up on my bed. He likes to hang out with me. And he just he just purrs up a storm. And you know, I believe that's the same way. You know, when we wake up, you know, we, we, we don't have it. Where are we going to go? Are going to go in the kitchen? Are we going to go downstairs? We lay in our bed because we definitely want to go back to sleep. But I think we need to make the best of those moments at night, those times when we're in our bed. Okay, let's go, let's keep going. This is a time when you're in your bed where you're God-inside-minded, you're God-conscious. Instead of worrying about all the affairs of this world, instead of worrying, waking up and worrying about all the things you gotta do, instead of worrying and making your list, instead of worrying about your finances, go inside, commune with God in your bed, and pass all of your cares, all of your concerns, Uh, once and for all on him, give it to God, and commune with him, spend time with him. I have to tell you, I I taught in a prison in Ocala, Florida, and there was 110 women. I can't get into the whole thing. I think I've told you about it before, but it was an incredible experience, and to be honest, it's heartbreaking, and, and, you know, just watching the women and and watching, you know, just all the things that we saw, and Teresa knows because she was with me, and, and, you know, you, you, they have no control over their lives. And they have no control when they, where they go. They have no control when they go to bed. They have no control when they eat. Everything is, 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 is controlled for them. One of the things that I said when I was under the anointing, and it came up out of my spirit by the Holy Spirit, because I never have, would have thought about this before, because I've never been in a prison before. But I, I said to them, I said, listen, I said, this is one thing that you can have control over. You can have control over your inward life. No one can control what goes on in your inward life. When you go to bed at night, you can commune with God in your bed. I found out later there's a lot of noise that goes on in prisons, a lot of things that go on at night, and so on and so forth. But, But I have to tell you that was one of the most profound statements I had ever made. I learned so much from that. They had no control. But what they could control was their inward life. So they could develop intimacy with God in their bed while they were in bed and and nobody could keep that from them. And that's the same way it is with you. You can have intimacy with God. I understand that we have the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, the distractions of this world, they enter in, they choke. But when you lay in bed at night, make that bedroom your prayer closet. Make that, may take advantage of that quiet time. Psalms 46. And says be still and know that I am God where are you still and knowing that he is God in the place of prayer we're going to get into how to do it Isaiah 26:3 says I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me praying in your bed is where you shut off your mind you hook yourself up to the inside of you and you're laying down in your bed but in your heart are you listening you have a posture before God. Your posture is that you're standing up on the inside. Your posture is, I'm drawing near to you, Lord. I'm drawing near by an act of my will. I may be laying here, but I'm drawing near to you. That's why I believe Kenneth E. Hagin, he was able to develop that kind of intimacy because his, his body was paralyzed. His, he, you know he, he couldn't move. So he really had to develop that inward life. And it paid off as he walked with God and became the great prophet that he was. Okay, this is eternal prayer and reflection. This involves three things. It involves, number thing, things, silence. It involves thinking on Jesus or the Father. And it involves singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now let's talk about silence first. This kind of prayer, silence, is actually an activity. Be still and know that I am God. So when you wake up in the middle of the night and you draw inward, you focus your attention on Him by an act of your will instead of your mind going off into all kinds of things. Shut your mind down, hook yourself up to the inside, focus in on Jesus or the Father, and be still as you lay there in your bed. Be still. You don't have to think. You don't have to do anything just quiet your heart i believe there's a scripture that talks about quieting your heart just quieting your heart and in this place of prayer uh focus in on him think about him psalm 62 all right here it is uh psalm 62 verse 5 says my soul waits silently for god for god alone For my expectation is from him so in this Place of prayer, you are in the posture. You're laying there, but your posture before God is you're silent before Him. You're 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 reflecting or you're looking at Him. You're quiet, but you also have an expectation of Him. Okay, I know that you're getting this. You you are here. You are practicing silence. But at the same time, you're inwardly reflecting on him, okay? Reflection is defined as contemplative, meditative, characterized by quiet thought or contemplation. What a greater place to do that when you're in bed, when everybody in the whole house is quiet. You can practice that inside your heart, okay? Okay? Number two, we said, Thinking on Jesus of the Father. This is a place when you're there in in your in your reflection, and you're you're internally thinking. Okay, now you're thinking. You have come out of that place of silence. Now you're thinking. You're thinking. Who is God? And you think about His character as shown to you in the Scriptures. God is love. He is faithful. He is kind. He is gentle. You're thinking about the goodness of the Lord. You're thinking about how good he is. You know, we, we've, we have that saying, God is good all the time. You're in your bed and you're reflecting and you're looking at him and you've come out of the silence and now you're thinking. and Your heart cries, Abba, Father, you are good. I love you. Hallowed be thy name. And you're looking and you're thinking about his character. Like I said, it's a posture of your heart. You are physically laying there, but you're standing in awe of him. Now, here's another. You're singing, like we said, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In this place, and this is what I practice, I've been practicing the last three weeks, you have an inward melody or a song of worship that goes, goes, plays in your heart like a tape like a, uh, just like a internal tape that just keeps playing over and over and over and over again. It just keeps playing over and over and over. Sometimes it's one phrase from a song. Sometimes it's the whole entire song. Sometimes that one song you keep internally meditating on and singing before the Lord over, over and over. I've had certain songs depending on Season that I'm in, I would internally be, be singing to him over and over and over. Here's a song that was playing in my heart today, interestingly enough, while I was preparing for this, and it took me hours to prepare for this, okay? So this song was going on in my heart for hours. I'm talking hours. You can commune with God in your heart for hours, hours and hours requires no physical um ever effort at all okay this was a song it's a song by michael w smith and the song started to come up in my spirit maybe because of our opening scripture draw near to god he'll draw near to you but the song says this draw me close to you never let me go i lay it all down again He hear you say that you're my friend. You see how everything just goes together and how perfect the Holy Spirit is? Um, And then it goes on to say, you are my desire. Nothing else will do because nothing else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace How many of you have awakened in the middle of the night and you're thinking about that loved one that passed away or you're thinking about that person that you were in a a close relationship with and that person is no longer with you anymore. What you need is an embrace from God. And I'm telling you, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. He just wants you to draw near to him. It says to feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way. Bring me back to you. Have you ever had a bad day or a bad weekend and you backslid or you did something you shouldn't have done? You wake up in the middle of the night. Instead of feeling guilty, this song can rise up in your heart. And this song of the reflection or the contemplation says, help me find a way. Bring me back to you. This is a prayer of supplication. It's not a prayer of intercession. is a prayer where you pray to the to god who is who is the all-sufficient one and you are humbly coming up before him you're saying lord bring me back to you you're all i want you're all i have ever needed help me draw near to you keep me close to you and so on and so forth i lay it down again i've had that song going through my heart multiple multiple times all day long there's another song by Carrie Doby and Bethel Music called Forever. I've had times with that song, you can Google it. It's from the You Make Me Brave album. But there, there's been times even with that song where I will play a certain sentence of what Carrie Doby is singing and it'll, it'll just keep laying in my heart for hours over and over and over. It doesn't have to be the whole song. It just can be that see that one verse and then there's the revelation song holy 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 lord god almighty you know heaven and earth is filled with your glory and then that there's a part in that song that says you are my everything i will adore you so you could be laying in your bed you could be singing and praying to god and telling him how much you love him how much you would for him um There's also, lastly, the inward melody of spiritual songs. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and giving thanks to always, for all things, to God our Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this you can speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs usually that's generally prophecy you know uh where people have songs in the spirit and it's for corporate but this kind of thing can also be true notice the scripture says he says making melody in your heart to the lord and giving thanks always for all things so there can be an inward melody that you can can have rise up in your spirit and you're seeing it unto the Lord. I remember, and I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit, when Kenneth E. Hagin used to say, there seemed to be something about the inward melody. Uh, I would continually pray before the Lord that pleased him. And I listened to what he said and I thought, isn't that interesting? And he said, interestingly enough, he said at times, he said when he would do that, especially before a service, that he said he would generate a greater anointing when he would minister publicly. So whatever's going on in your heart internally always affects what comes up out of you publicly jeremiah 2 god does not want us to be empty broken cisterns that can hold no water he wants us to be full reservoirs and that happens when we don't forsake him because he is the fountain of living water so this kind of internal melody and this kind of praying in your bed produces a well and a spring and a refreshing it's an inward melody so here's an example Sometimes when I'm laying in my bed, I am a I'll just start singing, not out loud, but in my heart. Yeah, 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 And I'll just sing to the Lord a new song and make melody in my heart. Or I could just, I just lay there sometimes and I start naming all the things. I thank you for this. I thank you for that. I thank you. I just start naming all the things. You know, the new age they say, wake up and be thankful and it'll affect the day. Well, how about if we in the middle, as we practice the things that are in the scriptures? How much will it affect our day, okay? Now, the scripture now says in, Ger- and Lynn, we're gonna close because we're all, we're out of time. The scripture says in Luke 12, and this is what I wanted to get to. Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? When you're laying in your bed, and you're you're worshiping God, and you're spending time with him, there comes a point where your heart will begin to burn. It's not acid reflux. It's not, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And as you spend time with him, you sense him, just his closeness, and you sense his love, and you sense his presence. You can't see him with your physical eyes, but he is there with you always even unto the ends of the age but he is with you vitally he is with you experientially he's there and there comes a time when your heart begins to burn and i love it when i i sense that closeness with god and my heart burns and you know my friends when that begins to happen you begin to experience that, you will will cultivate that more and more and more and you will crave it and you will desire it because it shows you that God, Jesus is with you, vitally with you, and you're experiencing his closeness and nothing can take that from you. So I just wanna encourage you with this teaching. I was really looking forward to this, sharing my heart with you, sharing the things that I've experienced with you. This kind of prayer will produce intimacy, a warm friendship with God, and I would encourage you to practice what I've shared with you. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for those that are hearing this teaching I know that it's your desire to draw men and women unto yourself for intimacy, for that connection. I pray, Father God, that these words would not return void. But when they wake up in the middle of the night, I pray that you would, you would cause them to remember that which they heard tonight. And Lord Jesus, we'll give you all the praise and all the honor. We also ask that you continue to teach us how to pray. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.